hearing well. There's something weird happening. Mine is really bad. I've just got white noise. No, I, no, I can't. Can you hear it? It's going. Yeah, white noise. We do it again. Oh, that's better. Oh, that's good. But can you guys hear us on Podbean? Lise, can you hear us on Podbean? Yeah? Okay, so we're in business. But we're not live on Facebook. Hang on, hang on. Hey, did you notice it's not me this time? No, it's weird. This morning. <laughs> There's a reason for some for everything. Uh, yeah, Jacqueline, poor dog. Oh, here we are live on Facebook. Welcome. Okay, you missed the whole show. My pod bean decided to disinstall itself. Go figure it out. Good morning, my friends. It's Maria Mariano, 40 years in multi-level marketing, going on my 41st year, Melanie, as of September, my 41st year. Oh, my God. Uh, and, and, and I said to Jean-Philippe and Sabrina this morning when we did the, the, the mastermind split, Melanie, put a, put a mute yourself on the pod beam, please, okay? When we did the mastermind um, meeting this morning, I said, one thing is for sure, for people to last over five years in a multi-level marketing, somewhere along the lines, they, they kind of know their why. They kind of know their why. Uh, they could not articulate it proper, probably in one simple sentence, but there is no way you're going to suffer failure after failure after failure without a why somewhere, even if it's the most minute foggy, uh, fo uh, fogged. Here they go, the dogs again. Okay, um, Ricky, the two, they can't run. One has, has, has to remica, whatever, they got her ovaries removed. How do you say that in, in English properly? Ovaries removed. <laughs> okay. direct to me. That's it. And she can't run. And the other one got all his teeth pulled out. Okay. So, Ricky, Ricky, put the two dogs in my office that got operated and... and um, Okay, there we go. Oh, sorry, guys. Because otherwise I get blood all over the place with 33 teeth extracted. I can just, can you imagine the visual? Is that good enough? Did everybody get the visual here? So coming back to this, my why is clear, making everybody's life better, including dogs, I realized. This is why maybe I'm going to open up a refuge. What I enjoyed about getting the podcast ready today is that the first part is you're going to share stories, but it's being specific in your stories that you're going to get the emotion and slowly but surely you're going to get a very clear statement of your why. But to better explain this, I'm going to hand it over to Melanie Miller. She's in charge of explaining it. Okay. Um, 
I just want to cover three points with you. Knowing what you want to do will be your motivation when things are great, when things are terrifying, and when things are uncertain. Melanie, 2020, when COVID was announced, somewhere I know my why because I would not have hanged in there with COVID and not needing to work. And Melanie Miller, you, it's the same darn thing, right? Okay. Number two, it serves as a roadmap for when moments come up that you don't know how to navigate those waters. That's why you want to make sure you have a why. Your core reasons for what you, what you do is going to hold you in there regardless of the bumpy road. It helps you decide which path to take when there is a fork in the road. And thirdly, people are will be naturally drawn to you because they feel that you are deeply motivated. So I know that in 2020, they didn't trust Tupperware, but they trusted me. They knew my why was there, so they followed. And this is more important than anything else. So I know as a corporation, they can throw everybody under the bus. Just ask Dorothy, she'll tell you. But when the individual on charge, I'm talking about me at the Tupperware Lady Amman, they know I would never throw them under the bus. If anything, I would lay under the bus so they can go over, over the bus. And that's what finding your why is all about. So take it away, Melanie. Okay, good morning. Um, I just check. Um, yeah, I'm okay on the popping too. How are we all this morning? Uh, I've noticed that uh, Mary Pierre is sneezing a lot. I counted my sneezes this morning. I've done 27 so far. So I think that the, um, the uh, allergies must be having a heyday literally today. So um, I'm going to talk to you about sharing your stories. So now it's time to sit down, share your stories. Remember, it's, you're not talking to a psychiatrist, so you don't have to reveal your inner self and tell stories that you don't want other people to hear. But when you are talking to your partner and telling the stories, we want you to you, tell the ones you feel right about sharing, um, and, but, but share them with emotion. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. You've all seen me in the last couple of weeks that even when you don't realize that you're sharing them and you're vulnerable, it, it happens, right? Um, and the more specific you can be, the better the details because a specific story will reveal details about you, your feelings, and why some things mean more to you than others. Avoid generalities. So um, what I did was that there are some stories in the book and I'm going to tell you one of their stories and then I'm going to tell you my own story which I wrote this morning to illustrate generalities. So in the story in the book, there's this statement, general statement. We used to go to my grandparents' house every year for Christmas. It felt so good to be surrounded by loving family. But a specific story is this. We used to go to my grandparents' house every year for Christmas. The year that really sticks out in my mind is when I was nine years old. That was the last Christmas my grandfather was alive. 
He was a powerful force in my life, and I'm not sure I realized how powerful until he was gone. I had a great relationship with him, but only now do I see how he rubbed off on me. He was a crazy, eccentric character who marched to the beat of his own drum. People called him strange or odd, but he always seemed perfectly normal to me. I remember sitting with him on the couch, just him and me. I was also an odd kid. People called me weirdo at school. But with him, I felt safe. With him, I felt proud to be me, proud to be different. Thinking he was the coolest person ever gave me the confidence to be my weird self. It was odd, and that, and he, if he was odd and that amazing, well, heck, I better get comfortable being who I am if I want to have the same impact on my kids or grandkids one day. So in that story, he's revealing a lot more about himself. So here's mine. I love my job. I love meeting new people and changing people's lives. I love using my science and thinking of the environment. That's a general statement. So here's the specifics, uh, a specific, because I debated about whether to go down the changing lives or the environment. So anyway, here it is. I love my job. I love that every day is different, that I, meet, I can meet someone and know that they have more in them than they think they have. I love that I can show them that so they can see for themselves. I'm a visual person, so I like to give visual examples by the way I am living. One day, I was struck by the amount of water bottles people buy and dispose of, so I decided to collect as many water bottles as I could to illustrate the simple example of one water bottle a day for a year, or more depending how many bottles I could get. So every time I went to the gym, I came home with a bag of bottles. I collected them in my garage and was aiming to do a video on Earth Day in 2020. Unfortunately, the pandemic happened just before I had collected enough as I wanted, but I went live with what I had and showed the damage of what one person could do with one disposable water bottle a day for I had 276 bottles, 276 days. I think the visual helped me to remind me too about how, land, how much landfill Tupperware could save. So it's, it's like not a, you know, a depth in feeling, but it reveals more about the person than telling a story that you just like changing people's lives and thinking of the environment. A general version will say more or less the same thing. A detailed version can reveal the emotion and passion you feel for something. Partners will take notes about things that you say and feel. And as you tell your stories, you will be reminded of others that are significant too. So tell those. Identify your themes. There will be certain words and themes that will constantly appear in your stories. Your partner is the key to this. 
identifying your own why is not really possible. You cannot be objective about your own stories. Your partner evaluates your stories from an interested but not emotional perspective. Often themes will come up more than once and when all themes are listed, there will be some dominant ones that seem to reappear. Is circle those and, um, and they will jump off the page at you. Those are the ones that will define you, that will inspire you. Choose ones that feel like your, um, your unique con contribution. And these are the ones that are going to have an impact. None of your themes will be wasted. So even though you're only going to pick two, one that talks about your contribution and one that talks about your impact, none of them will be wasted because they're going to turn into your house. And so um, I'm going to leave it there. And Marie-Pierre, I believe, is now going to talk to us a little bit more about our stories. Yes, I will continue uh, with my inter interrogation this morning <laughs> to find the why of Melanie and Maria. So let's start with the first question for this morning. So let's start with this one. So at school, what was an experience that you really love that you remember now? So Melanie, oh no, you want me to start with Maria today. <laughs> So let's start okay, with... Okay, I'm ready. Okay, ready okay, let's go. <laughs> okay, so um, a lot of you might know that I really enjoy singing. And um, one of the experiences I remember most at my school is um, being part of the... We didn't so much have a school choir as we had interested people. Um, who enjoyed singing and participating in music. And uh, one year, my music teacher, Miss Pa, who um, was a very eccentric lady, but she seemed to like me. And, you know, if you get the feeling that somebody likes you, then you, you perform well for them. And uh, we decided to do a um, musical that year. And... Uh, I have never had so much fun in my life as the first time I was part of a musical. Um, how there was so much camaraderie amongst all of the girls, didn't matter which age you were. I think I was probably in the equivalent of grade eight here when we did it. Um, but I discovered that I, I love, I mean, I already knew I loved to sing because I sang at the church and things like that. But being part of a musical was something so much more than singing. Um, you know, you had to act a little bit, but it was really the, the feeling of belonging that uh, I loved. And uh, that will always stay with me as a, as a great memory of being at school. And the fact that I could use a talent that maybe um, other people didn't have. That was also, I, lo I loved it. It was an amazing experience. Mm, I love it. Okay. Perfect. I 
takes so much. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I'm gonna be ready. <laughs> okay, let's go with Maria with the same question. So at school, what was an experience that you really loved in the past? Uh, we're so different, Melanie. Okay, my, my favorite experiences in, sc in school is when we were not in school, when we pretended to be in school and we were not. I was a master at getting um, notes. My mother was uh, illiterate, so I had her sign stuff that she had no clue what she was signing. And it was always notes why I didn't go to school yesterday. And one specific time, God, was I good. And I got these notes for everybody. Anyways, one specific time was I exaggerated. And a, I was out of school for over two weeks. And somehow uh, they were suspicious of the notes I brought in. Now, remember, I went to an Anglo, a lot of Italian first generation immigrants. So probably the secretary must have figured out her mother has no clue what she's signing. So they called my parents and my parents says, no, she's been in school all the time. So now the cat was out of the bag that it was over two weeks, maybe even three weeks. I wasn't in school. Don't ask me what we did. That stays private, but we were not in school. We, 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 I was such a gatherer of people like, yeah, that started from a very young age. Now listen to this. Okay. Gets even better. The story. So now. I have to bring in my parents so that I can get back in school. I got expelled. But my brain at, in secondary three already is saying, well, they never met my parents. You see where I, yeah, yeah, Dorothy, they never met my parents. So what did I do? I went to see Carmela's mom, my best friend who passed away. Teresa, she's always living. I went and see her and I begged her to play the role of my mother. So she's the one that came in school to say, take her back in. And I was back in letting my parents know the real parents that I got back in because of good behavior. And they realized that they made a mistake and they didn't really have all the facts. So. This is the type of person I was in, in school. And I loved everybody and everybody loved me. I always got them out of trouble. <laughs> oh, my God, Maria. <laughs> Melissa, a little naughty girl. <laughs> yes, really. <laughs> a very naughty girl. According to whom? According to whom? never even appear in my mind guys guys it's only according to your paradigms yes but according to my paradigm what a brilliant young girl <laughs> you know and i taught my kids i taught my kids you, you know in life it, you'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission according to whose paradigms <laughs> Let's move forward. Okay, let's move uh, forward. Maybe, maybe something to do with the laws of the land. And you know. who made the laws? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But that's another story in itself. Oh my god. Okay, <laughs> so let's continue with the next question. <laughs> so, 
what was a time when you gave of yourself to help someone else and after you felt unbelievably good like you had done something that really matter when i gave well i mean i've done a lot of volunteering in my life mm -hmm. um so um I think probably the, the one time where I really gave of myself and uh, it, it uh, apart from the popcorn, of course, at the Lady Mon barbecue, I mean, I felt so good after that day. But um, when I first came to Canada, of course, I didn't know anybody. And uh, it was hard to volunteer in that environment, but I did volunteer and I got involved in the school um, home and school and you know before I think after this the first year I was the president of the council but the one summer I was involved with um, the kids um, figure skating club and uh, I actually became the president of the figure skating club even though I'd never worn a pair of skates in my life but it was because <laughs> nobody else would step up. So I was always the person that stepped in, but I wanted to do something different with them. So one summer I organized a summer camp for the figure skaters. And um, I, any of you who've ever been involved in volunteering will know that it's really hard to get volunteers. <laughs> like people just won't do it. But I said, I, I can do this. I'm not working, I have time. So what I did was I met with um, the figure skating coaches and um, I explained to them what I wanted to do, which was basically this. In the morning, I wanted all of the children who participated in the figure skating camp to benefit from group lessons. So they, all of the coaches would be involved in teaching everybody. Now, anybody who'd ever, who's ever been involved in figure skating, you'll know that that's not how they work, these people. These people are very, you know, that's my student, don't tell my student what to do. Like, it was really a big deal to get these people to work together. And the only way that I managed them to persuade them to do it was I said, in the afternoon on this camp, I will take responsibility for all the children. I will provide crafts and games and entertainment. And during that time, um, you can take your individual students and have like a, an extra hour a day with each of your kids, right? So, so they liked that idea. They weren't too keen on the group. But you know what? We ran the, ca the, the camp for two weeks. The kids had a ball. Um, they, they loved skating with the other kids. They loved being able to um, have lessons with different coaches and learn different things. And in the afternoons, they got this, their private lessons with their coaches. And, and the whole thing was included. But not only that, those kids loved the crafts. So I, I created all sorts of things. I had like card with holes in for the young kids so they could learn to sew. 
Um, I did, I made loads and loads of pom-poms that summer and we made animals out of the pom. It was, it was so fun and I got to know the kids. My kids were so proud of me because they could see what I was giving. Um, it was really, that is probably a, a time where I really gave a lot, but you know what? When you give a lot, you get a lot back. And um, I basically gave up two weeks of the summer holidays because every day I had to be planning for the next day. And I got those skating coaches to work together. Um, and I also thought that that was a, a really good achievement. So that, that's probably the, the, something that stands out in my mind. Mm, I love that story. <laughs> and for you, Maria? Okay. Maria? Oh, 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 So I always realized that if I had more money, I could hire somebody to do it. So let me give you a quick example mm. how different my mind is. So remember Sally Mason, Melanie Miller, when her husband left her for another woman? Okay, remember that? So if you're listening, Sally, hats off to you. She, was, she had to move, emergency move from this beautiful home that probably today was worth like over a half a million dollars to a four and a half or five and a half apartment. And I got her to move here in St. Leonard. So I'm just going to give you an example so you understand how my brain works. So I said to her, uh, go do your parties because I knew she needed money. And we went in with Monique, my friend, to paint her apartment and whatever. But at the end of the day, it never felt good. And every, every time I help, it never felt good. And I'll tell you why. Because I said to myself, I could have hired a painter at so many dollars an hour while I could have bailed people to achieve their dream life. And that was always my take every time I volunteered or I was part of something. So today that I'm older and wiser, I would like to think, <laughs> I always say, how can I help? you know, the situation with my finances and me be there to support and give of me um, in things that I can't pay money to, to, to help. Does, does it make sense what I'm trying to share here? Okay, it's, it's very important you understand this because otherwise uh, you're going to look at me as somebody egotistical, but I'm not, I'm really not because I don't think... I helped Sally be a better version of herself by painting her apartment. I think financially I could have hired a professional to do a much better job in a fourth of the time and continue to mentor and coach Sally and being a stronger leader, you know, quickly. So I, I always tell my kids, how can you help out people by having more money? And how can you always stay on your your toe X on your X to make sure that you bring to the table what nobody else can bring. So that, that's every time I volunteered, what happened to me? Like I remember doing balloons. I mean, I did a lot of volunteering, but at the end I was always feeling like 
<laughs> oh, I'm bad. <laughs> okay, so now, <laughs> just before we close with the, the draft of the why, because yes, we'll be already at the draft. So for next week, no, tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> but for now, what I can see in the team, but we'll continue in French. For Melanie, it's really uh, the group, group collaboration in everything and the relation between student and teacher, even now that in the past, and the nature. And for Maria, for now, I see that money is always coming back, <laughs> fun, and to make her own choices. So that's the theme for now. And yes, we'll think about the, the why statement for tomorrow, but I will let Melanie close uh, with exactly oh, cool. what we'll have to do to do that draft. <laughs> Melanie. Sorry. <laughs> so you can make the close with the, how to make the draft of yes. the why. Sorry. <laughs> We're having strange phone calls here about people who are coming to fix something in the house that we have no clue what they're talking about. Anyway, um, so uh, we're going to draft our why and we remember we want to draft it as two statements. The contribution to do something um, and the impact so that and that's your impact. And with your why statements, what you want to do is you want to write them independently and your um, partner is going to write them independently too. And then what you're going to do is you're going to compare them and, and have a look at what interpretation best describes your why. Um, are they in the same place as you? Then we're going to reflect on it does it feel right and then we're going to put it into action and we're going to tell you tomorrow uh, one of the ways that you're going to test your why so that's it from me and uh, we'll say goodbye and thank you for joining us this morning